Hello and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. My name is Chris Howard and this is a Shakespearean interlude, if you like. I am just recording your quick intro to the podcast which was recorded originally uh, before the lockdown period commenced on the 23rd of March in the UK. In January of this year, I sat down with Emily Onis, who uh, works at Lace Partners as our executive director for the HR transformation side of the business. And Emma and I talked specifically about one part of the HR on the offensive white paper that we produced last year. Uh, The part part that we talked about, which I'm going to introduce uh, in a second, is HR HR upping its game. If you would like to download the white paper, you can read all of the different sections. It's www.lacepartners.co.uk forward slash H-R-O-T-O. And you can just pop in your details and then you can get a copy of that white paper. But this particular section that Emma and I talked about, it's HR upping its game. And as a HR function, you can get the right strategy in place for your business. But if you haven't got the right capability, uh, i.e. the people within your business, for example, then you've got yourself a bit of, a bit of a problem. And this came as a result, this section came as a result of some of the questions that Emma and the team asked uh, 22 uh, senior professionals within the HR industry. And some of the responses that we got were quite interesting. And I won't go into too much detail because that's obviously the purpose of the podcast. But I think I wanted to bring you this particular podcast today because I think it's still relevant. You know, we have just gone through a period in which we are at the time of me speaking, coming out of the lockdown. We're starting to come out of it. And what HR teams have learned over the last few months about themselves, about their own capability around their leadership of their people has been quite fantastic. And there has been some examples that we at LACE have seen of organizations and HR teams that have really had to react very, very quickly. They've had to assess where they are and they've had to um, pivot a lot of individuals within their business into a different way of working. So HR as a function has learned quite a lot about itself. And I think as we come out of lockdown, we're going to need to start looking at, okay, so who are the people that really stepped up here what were their capabilities how do we embrace those you know those people and their capabilities so that we can really drive our business forward and at a time where we are inevitably going to go into recession getting the the right people with the right capabilities in the right uh, roles uh, to be able to deliver your HR strategy is going to be key. But that's enough of me just uh, as my quick interlude. I'm going to hand across to, well, myself and uh, Emma, and we're going to talk about HR upping its game on the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. Thank you. Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast brought to you by Lace Partners. Hi, it's Chris Howard here from Lace Partners, and I am on the HR on the Offensive podcast again today with Emma Leonis. Hello, Emma. Hi, Chris. Uh, Emma's our Exec Director of HR Transformation. I think that's the full title now, is is it? Or is it HR Transformation Exec Director? You don't, exact director you don't HR transformation. You don't <laughs> mind. You don't mind. But what we, what we do mind, what we do want to talk about today is um, the HR Effective um, white paper and specifically breaking down into um, one particular section. So the HR Effective um, podcast, obviously, we talk about lots of different mm. topics, not just related to the white paper, but today specifically, I wanted to talk about 
section three that we've got in our report, which is on capabilities. It's called, how do we up our game? Um, and I want to just start by getting you to give me a bit of an overview as to this particular section. Um, uh, and also some of the questions that we actually asked some of the 22 HR yeah. directors or senior HR professionals that we talked to. So if you can just give me a bit of an overview and then I'll do what I normally do and interrupt halfway through and ask you lots of questions. <laughs> sure, no problems. So I think one of the things that has particularly struck us is that you could have the right services that you're offering to deliver the right employee experience and obviously meet your business strategy and your people goals. But if you've not got a really capable function, you will never be as successful as you could be. Mm. And, you know, having had a number of these conversations, obviously working daily with clients, this always comes up as a sticking point. It's, we know we've got some challenges. We always want to do more. So how can we do more? How can we up our game? Hence the title of the chapter, because we recognize there's a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, so we know what the kind of gap might be, but actually what can we do to bridge that gap, um, if anything? Um, and actually this is something that we've been talking about for a long, long time now. Mm. So what is it that's stopping us doing that? And some of the questions that we asked were really to get an idea of, as a sort of average, where do most organizations see themselves if they were to say, overall, I reckon the capability in my HR function is X, you know, what would they say? Mm -hmm. So in the report, we did that on a very simple scale of you know one to five, three being average. Um, and pretty much the response was, we see that we're average, mm -hmm. uh, which is fine. But then it's actually quite interesting when you look at that at the sub-function level. So if you take the typical Ulrich model, we ask the same question around the business partners, COEs uh, and shared services. And there were one or two things in there that I found particularly interesting, which mm -hmm. perhaps we can sort of talk about together now. Yeah, well, let's, let's talk about that. So um, as you said, one of the questions was, what is your um, view of capability with each area of HR? Um, and give me one which really just stood out when you saw the results and you were like, oh, yeah. well, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, well, before even that, actually, I think what's more quite interesting in itself is the fact that pretty much everyone said we're pretty average. Well, if you ask that question to any other part of the business, would they say that? Certainly not if you were talking to a group of salespeople, I bet. Well, no, exactly, exactly. So I suppose there's a, an element of, do we have a bit of an inferiority complex? Possibly. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because we know that we can always do more because we want to do more. So we're always going to say that we're average. Mm -hmm. Don't know. Um, but that, I think, is quite interesting in itself. Clearly, it would be interesting to see what the business thought. Mm. Maybe, for example, if you had an organization that just needs the basics done right, i.e. people get paid on time, paperwork is all complete, pretty much the transactional things, and then you've got the right recruitment going on. Mm. If that's all good from the business's point of view, they might say the function is great. Mm. So that's above average. Mm. So, so that for me was quite interesting. And one of the, um, I think one of the interesting things, obviously I've read the report multiple times, um, one of the things I think we touch about, which I'd like mm. you to just expand on, if that's okay, is this idea of the people consultant side of yeah, it. Sure. And again, as you mentioned, if people are, if HR teams are thinking or describing to us that, well, we think we're three out of five and yeah. we're average, yeah. um, and they can deal with the transactional side of it, again, it's, is it a mindset thing? And I think one of the things that we touch on in the report is this idea that HR needs to start thinking of it thinking of itself a little bit more strategically and maybe some of that aligns to what, what you're talking about. Yeah, here. yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, so the business partner piece, if you look at kind of the breakdown, again, pretty average. There was only one area of one sub-function or sub-part of HR that anyone said was market leading, which was one organization or one of their COEs, which was learning. Um, but on the business partner side and thinking about people consultants, um, you know, there are two, we think there are two very different roles that HR needs to play, one of which is the people consultant. Mm -hmm. And we talk about that in this chapter, particularly around capabilities, around business, um, nows, uh, organization design, leadership change, et cetera, but then also the operational service provider piece. 
But I think that change of people consultant is a fundamental shift mm. for any organization. Um, a lot of organizations have structures already in place. They can't just rip up the rule book, have a blank sheet of paper and move straight to that people consultant or an operational service provider piece. And on the business partner side, when we actually are sort of some of the capabilities that might be required in our people tech survey uh, as part of our conference last year, we explored that people consultant capability set and the operational service provider sets. And actually, whilst most people, 44% of people said, yes, business acumen is really important. They actually said that change and change management was probably the number two capability that they felt people consultants needed to be strong in, yeah. which doesn't personally surprise me. Um, if you think about the business environment, it's constantly ambiguous. It's constantly changing. People need the right support to do that as leaders. So it's not a surprise, but equally, we still recognize that we need to build that capability. And that's yeah. part of the, the shift that we need to make there. Yeah. And having that kind of that flexibility and adaptability, I think is really important. It's important across the whole business, but particularly in HR as well, I think. Um, I certainly think that ability to be able to react to your environment. But then again, this goes back to the whole you know, transactional side of HR mm. and the people consultant yep. side of HR. You sometimes do need to react flexibly and be adaptive, but don't let that define you almost. I'm, I'm talking specifically, like, you know, when you've got issues of you know, a line manager coming to yep. you and I need this sort of, yep. I need your help right now. Yes, okay, but HR, and again, this is a, is a constant theme that underpins a lot of mm. the report is, mm. yeah, okay, that is part of the role and the function yep. perhaps, but actually it's looking beyond that and it's looking at how can you make your people, um, your HR people, uh, think a little bit more strategically, which you can then articulate and communicate that to yep. the rest of the business as well. Yep. And so the other thing, thinking about people consultants as well, because clearly if you try to put the three parts of a current function into two, might mean that you have some of your COEs potentially, as well as your business partners, being that people consultant role, and we strongly believe that, then both of those roles today must have ideally an understanding of the business. But actually, one of the things that you know we've been just debating with some of our clients is, has the all written model created its own silos? So three separate silos where really the business is business partners today are the only part of the function that actually has access to the mm -hmm. business on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. from a relationship side, that is. Because clearly all parts of the, the function, HR function, are doing things to support the business, but daily conversations may well mostly be with the business partners. But if you're asking your people consultants in the future, um, as well as I would argue your shared services or operational service provider to have a true understanding of the business, how do you do that mm. when maybe a model is perpetuating just one part of the function being that conduit right now? Yeah, it's almost a bit like you're trying to create people who have the skill set to do a little bit of everything, mm. um, I guess. Um, of course, uh, in another section of the report, we talk about the jack of all trades, but we've talked about that in a different report. But I think you're, there's something in that. There's definitely something in that, which is you can't go completely the other way. You can't have a group of HR professionals who are suddenly, we don't deal with the transactional side. Yep. Um, we only deal with this element. So it's a balance, I guess, is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Is there a balance? To be yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, thinking about the flip side of that, if you've got effective people consultants, you, all, you still need a very effective operational service provider. Um, capability or, or team, depending mm -hmm. on how you look at that. Um, for some organisations, that will only ever need to be getting the basics right, that transactional admin piece, because the business doesn't need anything else, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, we, as an HR function, are there to support the business. 
But in other organisations, particularly organisations where 60, 70, even 80 odd percent maybe of work is being pushed into operational um, shared services, particularly also linked to automation, you're actually starting to expect more of that function. So thinking back around some of the responses that we had um, when we asked, you know, how do you rate the shared service part um, of the HR organisation? Again, to see that most people said it's pretty average with only one or two respondents saying that they felt it was starting to get to above market average is quite surprising. Mm. Um, Particularly thinking about those organizations that have done a lot of automation, they are really focusing on employee experience. Maybe they're looking at robotics, AI, lots of ways they can change um, how they deliver services to employees and therefore you're expecting more from shared services. Mm -hmm. Surely the capabilities in those organizations that an effective operational service provider needs are around digital, um, also around kind of um, employee centricity and being business savvy. But that business savvy point goes back to the challenge that I mentioned earlier, which is how do you build that if the legacy of your Ulrich model is that really only one part of that function has that day-to-day mm. um, sort of leadership or strategic conversation to understand what the right solutions need to be mm. for the business. Operational service providers equally need to understand what the business requires because they're the ones delivering those solutions yeah. being provided. Um, but then you can say all of that, and if you've not got great line manager capability... That's the other part. I think HR sometimes struggles because it's not um, acting as a silo, unlike finance, for example. Here to pay, pretty much a self-contained um, activity, whereas HR people um, activities span multiple parts of the organization, both the customer, the line manager, the employee, also HR, maybe IT facilities. So if all parts of that ecosystem aren't as effective as they can be, you're never going to be as successful as you would want to be as an HR leader. No. I would say. Definitely. Cool. So um, people listening to this podcast at the moment, um, what I like to sort of get from um, these types of podcasts is a little bit of a takeaway, if you like. Um, Is there anything that you would, if you were talking to somebody right now Mm. about this particular topic, uh, maybe it's one of the HRDs that we've already got in there. Is there anything in here that you would say, you know, if you only take away one piece of information from uh, this particular section, it would be this that you can yeah. you can talk to our listeners about. Yeah, sure. Um, I think what is really critical from conversations that we've had is you don't need to be good at everything. So clearly, there's lots of different capabilities that you feel you might need to be successful. Focus on those that really will enable you to have that competitive advantage based on what your people strategy and the business strategy is and what you need to deliver for the business. Because if you try and do, I don't know, be leading edge on 10 capabilities in your HR capability framework, if you have one, a lot of organizations don't have one, we found. But if you do have one and you try and do all of those things, A, you may stretch yourself too thin. um, And B, actually, are you really going to be as successful as you could be when three of those 10 might be the ones that truly make that difference? And if Mm -hmm. you average on seven, that's fine. You're not going to get any more noise from the business. So I think it's about really understanding where to truly focus the effort and then build the right interventions around that. And the other thing I would say probably as a takeaway is be as honest as you can around the capabilities that you have in your team. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's all very well saying, yeah, we're average. Well, we do some things. I've got some interventions. Sometimes you've got to rip the plaster off and have a change of, of capability in the and function. that's hard isn't it? and that is really really hard um, and it takes a very bold HR leader HR director to do that um, but at the end of the day particularly if you're thinking about making that shift to people consultant um, and operational service provider 
people are going to have to go through that change curve because some individuals may well like being a generalist, um, but actually not want to see themselves fitting in the operational service provider world. Whereas what we're saying is pretty much 80 odd percent of the function would probably sit in operational service provider um, where you've got much fewer people consultants. And that's a mindset shift for people. I mean, it's not a comfortable one, but sometimes you you have to try and make that change. Mm. And go on the wall for talent. You know, there's something around HR, um, HR professionals. Clearly, we're passionate about what we do, but do we market ourselves in the best possible way? We market the function so it feels cool, it's an exciting place to work. I think there's something in that too. How do we attract the best and the brightest um, internally and also externally from completely different career paths? Because that traditional HR career path, I don't think, um, will always work in the future. Yeah, I think that's a key thing. It's, um, And I feel like we've talked about this a few times, whether or not it's on previous pods or actually separately. But um, And I talk about marketing, obviously, quite a lot because I'm passionate about marketing. But marketing people are almost designed and salespeople are designed to champion what they do mm. and make lots of noise about it. And as you said, I don't know whether or not it's a... It's this kind of concept of the back office function. And actually, technically, marketing is that as well, that perhaps has people thinking, well, because we're not front office, you know, we don't champion ourselves mm. as much. We're almost like the the swan where we're the legs kicking yeah. underneath the organization, yeah, yeah. underneath the, the gliding of the organizations. So I don't know if there's something in that. Yeah, I, th- I think there is. I think it definitely is. Um, and that's a sort of legacy branding of the function. And I think linked to that, there's a mindset of, well, you know, everyone else is more important than we are in HR, so let's focus on making sure they're happy, they've got the, you know, the capability, framework, career paths that they need, the tools enablers, and we'll put ourselves last. Mm. Okay, well, brilliant. And um, Ems, thank you very much once again for joining me on the HR Auto podcast, oh, HR pleasure. on the Offensive podcast. If you'd like to download the white paper, um, of course, um, you can do so, which is at lacepartners.co.uk forward slash H-R-O-T-O. Uh, this is a podcast which, of course, features um, a lot of the themes that are within the HR on the Offensive white paper that's written by Lace Partners. But it's an ongoing podcast that we're producing where we're talking about how HR can step out the shadows. So it's what sort of tech can you be using to to really champion and profile yourselves? You know, we're going to be talking about digital adoption solutions. Um, Ems and I will talk about a few more of the other topics that that feature within the white paper as well. But if there's any topics that you're interested in, then please feel free to reach out to us. You can reach out to me. It's chris at lacepartners.co.uk. Or you can reach out to Emma. I'm sure she wouldn't mind uh, saying hello. Uh, It's emma at uh, lacepartners.co.uk. But this has been the HR on the Offensive podcast. I've been your host, Chris Howard. And thank you very much, Emma, for joining. Thanks, Chris.